0: book of Ecclesiastes this morning. If you'll find the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, then we'll be looking at the last chapter of that book, Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, if you want to be finding your way. And of course, uh, we're now into the month of November and time change weekend. Uh, so I'm thankful for the extra hour to preach this morning, and uh, so uh, everybody can get settled in, and uh, we don't want that hour to go to waste, and so uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, and uh, the message I'm going to preach this morning I think is going to be helpful, uh, I, was in t- I had planned on preaching Uh, message that i had prepared how uh, not to get bitter when broken but towards uh yesterday evening the lord shifted my focus to this passage of scripture and uh, so we'll look at that subject uh, at another time but this morning i'll look at ecclesiastes chapter number 12 and the last two verses of this chapter which of course are the last two verses of this entire book of the bible and i'll read verse 13 and 14 and you follow along this morning let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You might have heard somebody say, well, what is the meaning of life? That's the wrong question. Uh, the right question is what are we, should we be doing with our life? Uh, who should we be obeying with our life we look at this passage of scripture and let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter and this morning uh, i want to preach a message i've entitled that about sums it up that about sums it up father we look to you once again for your help today what confidence we have that your word will do just that and, Father, may we allow it to speak to our hearts, work in our hearts. May we allow the Holy Spirit of God uh, to teach us, instruct us this morning, convict us, challenge us, give us peace where we need it, give us direction where we require it. And, Father, I pray that you would do a work that it could only be given credit to you. If there's one unsaved this morning in the service, on the property, watching by live stream, listening by radio. May the Spirit of God work in their heart. May today be their day of salvation. And Father, may we be reminded this morning that our life belongs to you. Uh, may we seek your will and then do it. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As we think of these two verses and the title, that about sums it up. I'm going to ask you to listen very carefully to me at the beginning, and then we'll get to the uh, main points I want to get across this morning. As we look at this book of the Bible, I enjoy the book of Ecclesiastes. This is a book that will keep you grounded as a Christian, Uh, not too high highs, not too low lows, uh, not to just keep us grounded in the reality of life. We are a child of God, and we we thank Him for that. We thank Him for the Lord Jesus Christ. We still have to live this life. There's a lot of explanation in the Bible of how to live our life, and Ecclesiastes is such a book as that. It's written by Solomon about life. Solomon begins the book, first chapter, speaking of vanities. We must be reminded that Solomon was the wealthiest man in the world who had experienced everything the world had to offer. This was a man who didn't think about wealth. He didn't think about what there was to offer. He had literally experienced everything. He could have anything that he wanted. But after experiencing everything the world had to offer, he determined the best the world had to offer was vanities. The things that people dreamed about, just vanities. The things that people desired, just vanities. The things that people worked so hard for, just vanities. In chapter 1, he also references the brevity of life, how one generation passes and another one comes and the Earth just continues continues on. I wonder if he had these thoughts because, in spite of all of his wealth, in spite of all of his power, well, he couldn't change the fact that he was getting older. He couldn't change the fact that one day he would take his last breath, and the wealth would mean nothing. The crown on his head that he wore as king would mean nothing to him. The things that he had experienced would mean nothing. That one generation is going to pass, and another one comes, and the earth just continues on. He then makes a practical yet profound statement that I believe is one of the foundational statements of life. Solomon writes in chapter number one, there is no new thing under the sun. This means that each generation is like unto the previous one and that we are bound to the same laws of the creator and we are the same humanity. Sometimes we may reference the Good old days or back in previous generations, well, they were flesh and blood just like we are. In the future, they'll have the same problems that we have, react the same way as, as we acted in the same way that the previous generations acted. There's no new thing under the sun. Solomon throughout the book is going to give practical counsel from his personal experiences. As we think of the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, Solomon writes about the seasons of life. This is a reminder that the season we are currently in will pass, and a new season will be upon us. A reminder, I believe, to live in each season and to embrace the next one. He also writes of the oppressors in this book and evil men. He writes how sorrow is the best teacher, not success. He writes how sorrow is the best teacher, and our response to the events of life determines our wisdom. In chapter number nine, he reminds us that life happens. No matter how strong or mighty the individual, life intervenes, and there are some things that we all must deal with. We have the best plans, but life thwarts them. In chapter 11, he reminds us of proper investments in the return that comes when we invest our life and we invest the things of our life in the proper things. There's always a return from God. As we get to the last chapter, Solomon gives advice that it is better to give your youth to living for your creator than for yourself. Let me make a couple of comments right there. In verse number 1 of chapter 12, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Let me say, if you did not give your youth to God, give the rest of your days to him. Don't live in the regret. Don't live in the past. Say from this day forward, I wish I had given my youth. I wish I would had the opportunity. But from this day forward, give the rest of your life to God. But let me say to the youth, whether they be the children, the teenagers, the young adults, young couples, no matter what age you're, at, if you consider that youth, give your youth to your creator. Amen. Don't give your youth to society. Don't give your youth to your own dreams, your own, your own goals. Give your youth to God. Solomon gives the advice that it is better to give your youth to living for your creator than for yourself. He comes to the end of the book and summarizes life and gives some advice on how best to live it. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work in the judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. It would make good, practical sense of to listen to a man who now writes from the perspective of a man who has lived life filled with success and failure. This is a perspective of a man who God gave greater wisdom than any and yet lived his life for the fulfillment of his own pleasure. This is a man who has greater wisdom than you and I have, greater wisdom than any man has, And yet, he still lived his life for his own fulfillment. It makes sense to listen to a man who had everything a man could ever want. He had all the wealth that any man could desire. He had the fame that any man could desire. His fame was such that kings and queens of other kingdoms desired just to see the work of Solomon. He had power that no man, every man would desire. He had pleasure, experienced the pleasure that any man could desire to have. And yet, to hear him summarize it as vanity, having no value, the wealth he had, vanity, no value, the fame he had, Vanity, no value. The power he had, vanity, no value. The pleasure he experienced, vanity, having no value. So what is the meaning of life according to Solomon? What is the purpose of life according to Solomon? Now let me remind you once again, these are not the opinions of someone Who hasn't lived life, but from the man who lived it like so many dream of today. If I had unlimited wealth, how would I live? If I had unlimited power, how would I live? If I had unlimited wisdom, how would I live? If I could have unlimited pleasure in life, how would I live? What is the advice from the man who lived life according to its experiences. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Well, that about sums it up. When it's all said and done, the conclusion of all life's experiences come down to these two verses. Let me just remind that younger generation, don't pursue the things of this world. Here is a man who had more of the things that we desire today, that society desires, he had more than any man on this planet will ever have. You think men are wealthy today? Solomon's wealth far exceeds their wealth. He had everything that man would desire. He experienced everything that man would experience. And yet when it was all said and done, he said all those things mean absolutely nothing. It's just vanity. And when you come to the end of your days, that which has no value means nothing. Notice in these two verses, I want you to notice the words, whole duty. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole, I'm sorry, the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. He says when you summarize life, the conclusion of the whole matter of thoughts and philosophies and experiences, and seasons, and one generation coming on, another generation going off, and the world just continues to turn on this axis and doesn't slow down or stop for any man. When you summarize all that up, you better pay attention to the words whole duty. Because we get distracted by everything else in this world the, the, the power, the pleasure, the fame, the the, the wealth. You better summarize it to, into a point where we look at the whole duty. What is the whole duty? What he's saying is my whole duty is not to gain wealth. My whole duty is not to gain power. My whole duty is not to even obtain the pleasures of this world. God can add things to your life. But the whole duty is man's entire purpose. The one and great responsibility. Friend, if we'll grasp the message this morning, it will simplify our life. It will answer the question that our young people will get asked from time to time, what do you want to do with your life? Well, according to the man who lived life like nobody else had ever lived it, and quite frankly will never live it, says there's but one duty, it's the whole duty of man. is his entire purpose. It's his greatest responsibility. And let me remind us: this is not what society says it is, nor is it a matter of opinion open to debate. So what is this? Let's look very simply at our text this morning. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Solomon comes to the end of the book and he says, well, this about sums it up. I've lived my life pleasing myself, it means nothing. I have wealth. It's vanity. means nothing. I have power. It's vanity. It means nothing. Here's the summation. Notice the two words in verse 13, and this is the first thing I'll point out to us is fear God. Fear God. I'm going to give us four points this morning from these two verses, and I'm going to give us a word with each point that I think summarizes what each point that Solomon is making. He said, let's summarize. Let's get the conclusion of the whole matter. When it comes to your life at the end of life and how you live your life, you better fear God. What is he saying? You better have some reverence towards God. God is not a story. God is the supreme being. He's the God of all things. God God is not, uh, there is not many gods. There is a God who rules everything. He's the creator. He's the one that we worship. He's the one that we should obey. There should be a reverence for God. There should be a respect for God. Why do we honor God's day? Because there's a reverence for God. Friend, I I am not against sports. I'm not against football, but I am against disrespecting God's day. I'm against disrespecting what, what belongs to Him. There ought to be a reverence for Him. Well, that's why we come to the house of God. We honor Him when we come to the house of God. There ought to be a reverence for God, there ought to be a reverence for His name, there ought to be a respect and affection. We talk about fearing God, and you say, why should we fear God? Because He's the Almighty. We ought to want to please God. To give some context to this and some further clarification on this, God is not a God who's looking to destroy you. We talked about that in Sunday school. He sent His Son as a peace offering to man. But there ought to be some reverence because of who God is and what God's capable of doing. God is capable of blessing. But as his child, he's also capable of punishing. You know, we're in, in our in our homes today, there ought to be a, a, a an element of fear for dad. Oh, wait till your father gets home. How many of you have ever heard that? Wait till he gets home. Well, what is it? Does it mean dad doesn't love you? No, it just means there's a measure of respect that there ought to be. There's authority with that position. There's authority when it comes to God. Solomon, who had power. Solomon, who had wealth. Solomon, who could do and have anything that he ever wanted. He said, this about sums it up. You better fear God. Because it's God who's in control and who is, who's responsible for everything. There ought to be a reverence there. Notice what else he says. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. There ought to be obedience. There's a lot of Christians that say they have reverence for God, but they have no obedience. Which means they don't have the proper reverence for God. Why do you obey God? Because he's worthy of my obedience. He's my creator. He gave me life. He keeps my heart beating today. It's his air I'm breathing. It's his world I live in. I obey him because he's God. I obey him because he loved me enough to send his son. What do you realize after what God has done for us by giving us the Lord Jesus Christ... We could live a thousand lifetimes doing everything we could to please Him, and we still would not have earned that. We still would not be worthy of that. I want to obey God because of who He is to me. I want to obey God because of what He's done for me. I want to obey God because uh, He's worthy to me to obey Him. And friend, when it all comes down to life, and we get to the end of life, it's not going to matter how much money you earn. It's not going to matter how popular you were. It's not going to matter uh, the the, the people who who reverence you. What is going to matter? Did I reverence my God the way I should have reverenced him? Did I live my days in obedience to him? Or did I live my days in disobedience to the almighty God? Solomon says when, when it's all summarized and it about sums it up, you need to fear God and you need to obey his commandments. Well, how do I please God? Obey him. You get, you get that little child who's, who, who's, a, who, who's got rebel in him. You say, what child are you talking about? I'm talking about every child. And you get that two, three-year-old child, and they're going to do what they want to do and how they want to do it, and, 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 and then they're terrorizing everybody and everything, and then they just say, Mom, I love you. <laughs> and if you haven't said it, you've thought it, well, I wish you'd just obey me. If you love me, and you might have said that to your husband, but you know, we're talking about the rebellious child. The same is true with God. We fail Him because we're flesh. We fail Him because we're not capable of perfection. But there ought to be an effort there to obey what God says we should obey. How do we obey God? We obey this book. It's amazing today there's Christians who are more concerned about a Facebook poll than they are the Word of God. They're more concerned about what society says than they are what God says. Friend, I'm going to help you. If you haven't figured this out, society and God are not on the same page. This world and God, is not. they're not heading in the same direction. What is in this book and what is in the heart of man is not the same ideology. And if we are going to please God with our life, do we want to live a life of emptiness, of vanity, where it means nothing, and when we get to the end of our days, do we want to be able to say, I feared, I reverenced my God, I did my best to obey Him. He said, what sums it up, I've lived life. I've seen what takes place in a lifetime. Fear God. Reference Him. Respect Him. Why do you do some of the things you do? Because I have affection toward Him. Keep His commandments. Just obey. Do you always feel like obeying? This is a silly illustration, but I think it may illustrate the point. You drive down some of the roads in Duval County, Clay County, and you come across speed limits. Those are the things that tell you how fast you're allowed to go. There are some roads you go down, you look at the speed limit and you're like, was this put up when we were in horse and buggies? I mean, what what why is the speed limit this? It's ridiculous. And we determine in our own mind that this is a suggestion set forth by people who don't even these are These are the same people who who can't figure everything. Why do they put the speed limit? Now, it is a challenge to abide by that speed limit. Anybody with me? This is the most engaged this crowd has been all morning long. You've been down the same roads I've been down, I can tell. I wish I could say there's one road in mind that I'm thinking of right now. I I picture the, the signs where they are. I see the, the, the grass is overgrown on both sides. And that's why I want to say when I pulled over, well, when the county gets out here and cleans up around here, maybe it'd be worth keeping the speed limit. That didn't work. But, you know, you, I can see it in my mind. I try my best. I'm being honest now. I try my best to keep that speed limit. But I cannot say, I cannot say I've always been successful. Because it's a ridiculous speed limit. Let me tell you, when I try a little harder and I succeed, when I look in the mirror on that long, long, long stretch of road, and there's that, on that road, there's 25 miles an hour, I look in the mirror, and there's a car behind me, this car's a little bit different. They got lights on the top. It's amazing. It seems like it's taken me a year and a half to get to the other end of that road, but I'm a little more conscious. Do I agree with the speed limit because the policeman's behind me? No. But I do have some reverence for the authority. And we drive a little slower, don't we, when we see the authority with us? Now, I'm going to say something right now that that you can just apply it however you want to apply it. But I can't believe I'm even saying these words. Shouldn't we drive like the authority is always with us? Well, I just lost, you were engaged and I just lost most of you with that. Here's the application. We know God set some boundaries. We know God set some laws. We know God's made some commands. Shouldn't we live like He's aware of everything we're doing? Because that's certainly the case. We should obey His commandments. Whether we thank anybody else to seeing, whether we thank anybody else know, knows, whether we agree... With what God has established, we should keep his commandments. There should be some obedience. Very quickly, number three, he says, for this is the whole duty of man. I say to you, when the conclusion of the whole matter about sums it up is to fulfill your duty. What does that mean? There has to be humility. What is my duty? We've already stated it is to fear God, keep his commandments, but I have to humble myself to do that. My whole duty, your whole duty today is to get up and humble ourselves in the sight of our God. This is the Lord's day. It's not up for debate whether we go to church because it takes you. Well, I'm going to humble myself, say I'm going to do what God has said. Well, there's, there, there, there are things that my, flesh, my fleshly appetites might want, but I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to yield myself to what God has established. That's the whole duty. It's not to become popular. It's not to become an influencer. It's not to obtain the things of this world. And I've got to hit the ground running because I've got some things that I've got to do for me. Hey, you can, you can excel and you can exceed. And certainly we're in the greatest nation in the world to do that. But let me tell you what all the wealthy say when they come to the end of their life. It means nothing because you can't take it with you. I'm going to face my God. You better fulfill your duty. And to do so, you have to have humility, number four. Notice verse 14, for God shall bring every work and the judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Number four, we have the judgment of works. Solomon, David's son. Solomon, we certainly use as an example of somebody who fulfilled his flesh and got away from the things of God he allowed false doctrine and false religion to come back into the nation. He did a lot of things that I no doubt believe he regretted. But he did some good things. The, the temple that was built. He did accomplish some great things. But I can't help to imagine that as he's writing this, he gets he's lived a lot of life. He's very aware that One generation comes, another generation goes. He's very aware, we see the insight in verse 14, that everything that he had ever done is going to be judged by God. The secret things and the known things. The known things, the decisions he had to make at King, there were some of those things that Those who were in his kingdom would look at him and say, you made the wrong decision. But in fact, he made the right decision. And there would be those who disagreed with what he did. There would be those who disagreed with the decisions he made. Those things are going to be judged. And when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter what society thinks about a decision. It only matters what God thinks about a decision. And let me just say, there's a lot of Christians and churches that are going to give an account because they appease the social justice of this world while ignoring what God has said and one day the popularity of a godless society who applauds a more tolerable Bible, a more tolerable Christian, a more tolerable church is going to be judged by God and it's going to be deemed as contrary to what he has said. The decisions that maybe he rested his laurels on but were against what God has said God's judging those known decisions, but He's also judging the secret ones, those actions nobody knows about. He's going to judge each of those, whether they be good or whether they be evil. Now, this is important because it all goes back to where our perspective is, our priority is, is to fear God, obey His commandments. If you're not careful, we get caught up in society, and we fear society, and we obey the world's commandments. And we get to the end of our days, we're going to reflect on a life that's full of vanities. It means nothing. Why? Because God is going to judge. Let me help you. All of those out there in society who may hit a like button on a social media post, they're not going to judge it. God's judging it. A family or, 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 or friends who applaud certain decisions, they're not going to be there to judgment. God's judging whether it be good or whether it be bad. He's going to be the judge. But that certainly offers a different perspective, doesn't it? That's why we better fear God, keep His commandments. That's our whole duty. Tomorrow morning the sun's going to come up and we're going to need to face our day, our week. So what do I need to accomplish? Everything should have the perspective of my whole duty. My one responsibility today is for me to fear God, to have that reverence for Him. For me to obey His commandments. If If you live by that, you'll be the employee that you need to be. You'll be the boss you need to be. You'll be the father the mother the the husband the wife you'll you'll be the 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 child you'll be the friend you'll be you'll be the co-laborer the co-worker that you need to be if we look at it from the perspective what is my one responsibility do you ever get through a day and you feel like i got nothing done today I'm never going to get caught up. I'm never going to reach where I want to go. I mean, I'm fixing to hit this milestone in life and haven't accomplished anything that I thought I would accomplish by now. I'm so far behind in this life. Hey, your whole duty, your whole responsibility, you are a success. If you just got through the day and I said, I'm going to reverence my God. I'm going to fear him. I'm going to respect him. I'm going to be in awe of him. And I'm going to keep his commandments. And I may not have accomplished everything that I set out to accomplish this day, this week, this month, this year, but I can say to the best of my ability, I obeyed his commandments. Solomon said, Who had everything, who achieved everything, who had more than all of us together could only dream of having. He said, That's the whole responsibility. As I pursued all of these things, all I had to do was just obey my God. Because now that I'm facing my own mortality, every work that I've ever done, I'm not worried. He wasn't worried how history would judge him, but how God would judge him. He wasn't worried how his friends would judge him but how God would judge him. He wasn't worried how family would judge him, but how God would judge him. Friend, how are you going to live the remainder of your life? For vanity or for your creator? I would be irresponsible in not reminding all of us that if you're not saved, We've been reminded this morning that God's going to judge every work. Every failure that we have. Friend, as a child of God today, I'm thankful that every failure that I've had is covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say that? Because the judgment of our life in the rewards that go with our life of, of being faithful at that, the judgment seat of Christ for the child of God. You just, Christian, be faithful. You just fulfill what the task has been laid out. I want to I I have reverence for my God. I want to obey my God. I want to I please Him. He's going to judge that. And He can judge your faithfulness. But friend, if you don't know the Lord, you've never trusted Christ personally, that's a different judgment seat that you'll be at that great white throne where you can gloss over, you can give an excuse, you can justify, but if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, there's only one verdict that will come. Depart from me, for I never knew you. And the eternity in that horrible place, the lake of fire, to suffer and pay for your sins. Well, society didn't condemn what God condemned. Society's not going to judge you at that time. God is. Well, I didn't agree with, with, with what what was said. Well, you're not going to be judging yourself. God's going to judge you. How's He going to judge you? By this same book. Friend, How are we going to live our life? How are we going to live our days? Young people, don't get caught up in this world and the Hollywood culture, the NBA culture, the, the NFL culture, the, 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 you know, even the entrepreneur culture. Friend, when it's all said and done, all that matters is what did I do according to that book right there? What did I do according to what God has said? And you can be a pauper in this world and you can be wealthy in heaven. You, you can have no fame and no notoriety, but yet those great cloud of witnesses are cheering and applauded and we enter heaven sh- on the heaven's shore. Uh, there'll be a, a welcoming there. Say, I, I knew you because you, you taught me in Sunday school. I knew you because you left the gospel track. We've been cheering for you because of the cause of Christ. Those that die paupers here aren't paupers up there. Friend, how are we going to live our days? Well... Solomon, who had done about everything, seen everything, experienced everything, had success, had a failure. He said, well, that about sums it up. I've seen enough of life that I can tell you this. you got one duty. Fear God. Keep his commandments. Friend, I think that's still good advice today. Let us fear God. Keep his commandments. The invitation this morning is simple. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today is the day for you to get saved. Don't wait one more day. Don't wait one more hour. You respond when the invitation begins. You respond and you let somebody show you from the Bible how you can be saved. And there's men and women all over this auditorium this morning who's responded in an invitation just like this and let somebody show them how they, from the Bible how they can be saved. And I'll tell you this morning, they'll say it's the greatest day they've ever had. It's the greatest decision they've ever made as they put their faith and trust in Christ. Get that settled today. The Christian, how's your perspective? Have we, have we allowed this world's philosophy to take the priority in our life, in our home? Well, how are you going to know to keep His commandments if you don't know what His commandments are? You must be in this Bible every day. You must be under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. So we know what His commandments are. Boy, are we living a life of reverence toward Him? Are we reminded this morning, maybe we ought to change our priorities. Maybe there's an element of surrender in your life and your heart. Maybe there's another step in your life of obedience that you need to take. I encourage you this morning to take it. We stand to our feet, our heads are bowed.